This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Congratulations, you found us. The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. And before we get into the, uh, the doom and gloom, a little good news. Very pleased to welcome another affiliate to the Conspiracy Show. K-B-E-L-A-M-1240, and I hope I pronounced this uh, town or city correctly, Idabel. K-B-E-L-A-M-1240 in Idabel or Idabel, I'm guessing it's Idabel, Oklahoma. That is, I believe, our first affiliate in the great state of Oklahoma, the Sooner State. And uh, to all the folks at K-B-E-L-A-M-1240 in Idabel, thanks for making The Conspiracy Show part of your station schedule. And, and here's why I think this show and shows like it are so important. I mean, let's be honest. Much of what we talk about on this program is virtually ignored by the mainstream press. You may even be ridiculed by your friends, your family, colleagues, for giving anything you hear on this show any credence. Maybe you're discussing what you heard on the program around the water cooler. And your colleague slowly backs out of the room, his eyes rolling back in his head. Now, I, I know right now I'm virtually, I'm preaching to the choir. Most of the people who listen to this program give credence to what we talk about. You know that what gets discussed on this program is a closer approximation of reality that's, that, that, than, than what's being spoon-fed to the, the populace on the nightly news, for example. But something is starting to happen. Not sure if it started with Edward Snowden blowing the whistle on the illegal activities of the NSA, but now, very slowly, albeit grudgingly, I suspect, some of the mainstream press is starting to pick up on these things we discuss on this show. Granted, they're looking in the rearview mirror, and they're very late to the dance. I mean, so late that the band has left and the only one left in the high school gymnasium is the janitor sweeping up the confetti and the party streamers. But let me give you an example. Earlier this week, the Washington um, 
Times. It was the Washington Times. They published a story about a study conducted by a couple of universities that found America is no longer a democracy. Never mind the Democratic Republic envisioned by the Founding Fathers. Rather, the study found, it's been, it's taken a turn down elitist lane, as they called it, and become a country led by a small, dominant class comprised of powerful members who exert total control over the general population. An oligarchy, according to this new study, jointly conducted by Princeton and Northwestern Universities. One finding in the study, the U.S. government now represents the rich and powerful, not the average citizen. United Press International reported, oh, stop the presses. This is all new to us. We didn't know this, did we? In the study, testing theories of American politics, elites, interest groups, and average citizens. Researchers compared 1,800 different U.S. policies that were put in place by politicians between 1981 and 2002 to the type of policies preferred by the average and wealthy American or special interest groups. Researchers then concluded the U.S. policies are formed more by special interest groups than by politicians properly representing the will of the general people, including the lower income class. Quote, the central point that emerges from our research is the, is that, economic elites and organized groups representing business interests have substantial independent impacts on U.S. government policy, while mass-based interest groups and average citizens have little or no independent influence, the study found. The study also found when a majority of citizens disagrees with economic elites and or with organized interests, they generally lose. Duh! (laughs) They're just figuring this out now? I mean, we've been talking about the unelected oligarchs for a decade and a half. But tonight and for the next hour, I'll see your oligarchy and I'll raise you. Let's try tyranny. Yes, the United States is certainly run in large part by unelected oligarchs. But they're foot soldiers who do their bidding, which include certain members of the U.S. Congress, but also certain parties in the White House and many or most branches of the U.S. government, I believe are marching inexorably and not so imperceptibly anymore towards tyranny. What is tyranny? According to Webster's, Tyranny is an arbitrary or unrestrained exercise of power, despotic abuse of authority, the government or rule of a tyrant or absolute ruler, a state ruled by a tyrant or absolute ruler, oppressive or unjustly severe government on the part of any ruler, undue severity or harshness. Which brings us to the case of Cliven Bundy, the Nevada rancher, who has managed to run afoul of the U.S. Bureau of Land Management, which says Bundy, or who says, Bundy owes more than a million dollars in grazing fees and fines and other penalties to the U.S. government. So the Bureau of Land Management and heavily armed federal agents surrounded his ranch, confiscated his cattle, until sympathetic citizens from across the United States, including certain militia groups, came to Nevada, some of them armed, stared down the BLM and federal agents, And then, fearing a massacre or a bloodletting, the feds blinked and returned the cattle. Which is essentially where it stands for now. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about this case. Cliven Bundy may have had your support until he made certain comments to a New York Times reporter, which appeared on the surface to be racist, 
and we'll get into that. But many people are very, very concerned that the actions of the Bureau of Land Management and federal agents have crossed the line into a total abuse of power. Tyranny. People are starting to see a pattern now. Another example of oppressive or unjustly severe government. And this situation on the Bundy Ranch is, as I say, not over yet. It could still devolve into a tragedy. Another Ruby Ridge. Another Waco. And a lot of people are saying, enough is enough. I thought David Kupelian wrote an outstanding article on this very matter this week for WorldNet Daily, entitled Harry's War. Harry refers to Senator Harry Reid, the senior senator from Nevada, and he's also the majority leader in the U.S. Senate. Of course, he's been very vocal in condemning Clive and Bundy and the Bundy family. We'll uh, also get into whether or not there may be an ulterior motive there. Anyway, I decided it would be great to get David Kupelian on the program to discuss. And for those of you who are not familiar with his work, David's an award-winning journalist, managing editor of WorldNet Daily, and editor of Whistleblower Magazine. He's a widely read online columnist. He's also the best-selling author of The Marketing of Evil and How Evil Works. David, how are you? I'm very well, Richard, and glad to be on your show. Likewise. Uh, delighted to have you on the program. I'm a regular reader, and uh, I, I, I enjoy your work. Now, let's give people uh, a, a, a thumbnail sketch or a, a brief timeline of when this showdown at the Bundy Ranch began. And if you could sort of mention, you know, the, um, some of the, the, the more poignant um, uh, issues at hand here. Well, it's full of poignant issues at hand, and that's one of the remarkable things about this storm that we call this Bundy standoff, because, you know, just like a week ago, I guess it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, you mentioned about Waco and Ruby Ridge in 1992 and 93. These were horrible uh, you know, government overreaches that, in the case of Waco, resulted in you know seventy or eighty deaths, fiery deaths of women and children because of an you know idiotic government overreach. So you know nobody really wants that to happen again, or do they? And uh, that's the that's the question I raise in this article because you talk about a timeline. There, there are this is this is not what it seems. What, what we're being told is that we have to bring out, you know, a couple hundred federal agents armed with automatic weapons, snipers, uh, you know, sharpshooters, snarling dogs, tasering people, because an old rancher has fallen behind in his uh, uh, grazing fees, and there's some tortoises we need to protect. Does anyone really believe that that's what this is about? Okay? I, I don't believe it is, okay? And there have been so many different plots that have been woven into this. If, if uh, uh, Janine Pirro, the judge that has a, uh, uh, she has a weekend show on Fox, she had a absolutely terrific opening segment yesterday. If your listeners just Google, uh, you know, Janine Pirro, Harry Reid, they'll watch this 12-minute uh, segment. Now, this lady is a former prosecutor. She's a sharp gal, and she, she calls him Dirty Harry, and she basically explains the whole business about uh, Harry's uh, Harry Reid's son-in-law being in a firm that represents a Chinese company that wants to develop the largest solar energy complex in America, right there in Nevada, and that the tortoises. When you're going to do something where you got protected species, you have to have a mitigation area, 
and then I'm just making this really brief, that where Bundy's cattle were on this federal, you know, BLM land, okay, is what they had designated as the mitigation area. Now, that's where we're going to let the tortoises be in order to have this big, this biggest solar energy complex in America, in Nevada. And then it just turns out, and she cited the documents that have been taken down from the BLM site that explicitly state that, that where, you know, Bundy's cattle are, this is where. So that is one plot. There's a half a dozen other plots in here that are crazy, including, you know, well, is, let's deal with racism. Is Cliven Bundy a racist? Now, first of all, I have to say, who cares? Supposing, by the way, I don't think he is. Nor do okay? I. Nor do I. We, I, I, I want to get into that you, a little bit later in, if, in, in if detail. You, if you listen to the unedited tape, okay, it was a press conference. It's not just what the New York Times said. Watch the actual tape and see what they took out. And by the way, if your listeners Google Harry's War, okay, they will go to my article. That's all they have to do. Harry's War, or right, you know, Harry Reid, Harry's War, you know, Harry's War, Clive and Bundy. You'll get to it. And at the bottom of that article, I have both videos. The unedited and the edited video that ended up on Media Matters and the New York Times. And you can see, that's all you need to know. Watch both, take you a few minutes, and you will see those so-and-sos. I'm going to keep my language clean here, okay? How dare they? They knew when he said this that he was not racist, that he was trying to elevate blacks. It's very clear. He's making comments like, we don't want to go back to the old days when this and that. They cut that out because it ruins their story. These yeah. are nasty. I've been in the media for 30 years. These are nasty people you're talking about. They wanted to make him a racist because it fits their narrative. Well, yeah, granted, I mean, some of the language he uses is from a, of an, a bygone era and good riddance to that. You know, his, his language is questionable, but uh, if we start, you know, abandoning uh, people because we don't like the words they use, and quite frankly, he could have used different language, but he's, he's an of old, course. he comes from a different generation. And as you say, when you actually see the, the entire comments, he says some wonderful things, uh, you know, praising um, Hispanics, even the illegal am- immigrants that come from, from Mexico. And he, uh, yeah, I, 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 the music is coming up here. I, I don't believe he's a racist. We'll get into that. We'll uh, also take some calls in the matter. But I, I want to talk about um, why the BLM, the Bureau of Land Ma- Me- um, Management, is, um, is deciding to go this route rather than, you know, merely put a lien on his property or on his, right. on his estate and so forth. We'll do that. David Kapilian from WorldNet Daily as we talk about Showdown at the Bundy Ranch here in The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. And uh, welcome back. David Kapilian is with us. He's the managing editor of WorldNet Daily and editor of Whistleblower Magazine and the author of the best-selling Market- The Marketing of Evil and How Evil Works. We're talking about the Clive and Bundy saga, which continues in Nevada. This is the uh, Nevada rancher who, I guess his family started ranching in the late uh, 40s, early 50s, and they were paying these grazing fees to the, the government because the government owns most of the land in Nevada. I'm not sure what the percentages, but it's, I believe it's well over 50% of the land owned by the government. 80%. 80%. So they were paying these grazing fees, so much per head, about a, a buck fifty a head, I think, uh, to graze, and they paid for 20 years, from 1973 to 1993. And then, as I understand it, David, you correct me, the government started putting restrictions on. They basically drove all the ranchers out of business. They said you can only have 150 head of cattle or something like that. So all of a sudden, the Bundys are the only ones left in the area ranching. So what happened? Uh, what's happened, you know, since 1993? 
Yeah, honestly, Richard, I haven't followed that part of the story that closely. I, I know that they have contested this in court, and they have lost every court, uh, you know, every every development in that court case. So, uh, you know, what it comes down to is that there is a valid constitutional and natural law case that they should be grandfathered in, uh, that they have this, this you know, like like a you know grandfathered rights to this property. Uh, if you watch like. Um, who's the judge, Andrew Napolitano, he right. absolutely says constitutionally uh, he, he sides with Bundy here, okay? However, the courts have not, and so, uh, but, but that brings you then to, all right, let's say, you know, we, we have to have a court system, and so they've, they've judged this way, why don't they just go and slap a lien on this property, and therefore, say they say he owes a million dollars, that's a lot of grass, I think, you know, but anyway, he owes a million dollars right. in grazing fees, and, uh, uh, you know, they, if he sells the property, that gets taken off the top with interest, okay? If not, when he dies, uh, the government gets paid off, off the top. Why don't they handle it that way? And, exactly. Yeah, even if know, the that, courts are right, there is a way to handle this. But instead, what did the Bureau of Land Management do with their federal agents? Well, they, <laughs> they, they, they went and they said, well, we're going to, um, you know, physically extract this judgment uh, that he hasn't willingly paid uh, for the grazing fees, and so they sent out their team armed. All the stories we hear about with uh, the federal agencies uh, buying all this ammunition, I guess this is what it's for now. They're going out and hassling this old old farmer here who thinks, who's got a, he's a very principled guy, and he, think, he says, I'm happy to pay the grazing fees to Clark County, Nevada, or the state of Nevada. I don't believe it's proper to the federal government. Okay, maybe he's wrong, maybe he's right. It's, you can argue this both ways in court. It doesn't seem like you need, you know, you need to send, uh, you know, SWAT teams out as though you're, you're attacking al-Qaeda, you know, and that's what they did. They're, they were killing some of his cattle. They're basically trying to take the cattle and sell the cattle to pay the, pay the fee, but they ended up killing some of them. We had all these photographs, <laughs> grisly photographs on, on, the, on, on WND, uh, you know, showing that, oh, whoops, Oh, yeah, I guess we did run over some of these cattle here. It's just a nightmare. But, again, it's like, what is, what is the real thinking? What's the real motivation behind all this? This is not a proper way to do this. If, if, if a guy, you know, doesn't pay his parking tickets, you don't come out and, like, you know, burn down his house and, and, and uh, you know, steal all his property. It, it's overreach, you know, proportionality. Those, those, are, those are understatements. It doesn't make sense, and this is, you know, this was the main point that I was bringing out, which is one thing that very few people of anybody, I may be the only one who's really brought this in, a, you know, it really developed the idea uh, of, of, of wanting to provoke right-wing violence. People talk about, uh, you know, Waco and Ruby Ridge. Both of those horrible tragedies involve some alleged infraction of the law. I think in both cases they had to do with firearms violations. They were very minor. I mean, the, the thing with Randy Weaver was that he was supposed to have, you know, sold, I forget the details, sold a, a shotgun that was, the barrel was cut like an inch too short. Uh, I, I don't think that's a hanging offense. Okay, yes, it's a violation of federal firearms laws, but it's not like he's a, he's a terrorist, okay? So, and they ended up, as your listeners probably know, they, they shot his wife to death. She's standing in a doorway. They, she's holding an infant, and they shoot her to death. They shot his son, his 14-year-old son. They shot his dog. And 
for what? Uh, it, it was it was out of control, and uh, the government had to settle with the weavers. The government, by by all accounts, left, right, and center, the government was wrong, 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 uh, way out of line in what they did. It was a huge embarrassment uh, for for the government. Well, why do we do? Why do we handle things like this? You know, you can deal with things in an angry, crazy way, or you can deal with things with with wisdom. And restraint. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I, I think most people listening would agree, yeah, that's the way you deal with things. If, you have a, if a policeman stops a driver, you know, you don't need to necessarily kill that driver if he's reaching for his wallet. You know, he, oh, I thought he was going for a gun. Well, no, he wasn't going for a gun. He was going for his wallet to, to show you his license, which you're asking him for. Uh, we, we need to have wisdom and training and self-control and restraint. I'm not faulting the police personnel out there. They were they were doing their job following orders, okay? But I believe, and I, again, if your readers will go and, your listeners, excuse me, will, will go and look up the article, Harry's War, I've got the whole background there to make the case that the left, and that is who is running America right now, is the left, okay, uh, have a vested interest. They have something to gain in having right-wing, quote-unquote, violence break out. We're always hearing about Timothy McVeigh, who, you know, they say, well, you know, he, he, uh, he was a Christian, and he, you know, we were tired of hearing about Muslim terrorism. He was a Christian, and he went and he killed 160, 170 people in Oklahoma. By the way, he was not a Christian. He was a white guy, and he was not a Muslim, so therefore they say he was a Christian. He was not, by any stretch, a Christian. But that's another story. Right. But if you look at the fact that we are constantly hearing down here in the States that the Tea Party are racist and violent without a, even a single shred of evidence, we had the 2009 uh, Department of Homeland Security report that warned that pro-lifers, people with Ron Paul bumper stickers, uh, returning war veterans. People who own gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah all, all these people who are basically normal, uh, traditional, centrist to, to, to conservative, traditional Americans are somehow extremists and terrorists. And that this is like, this is crazy talk, okay? Just like they said that, you know, Occupy Wall Street was like, this was a good thing. But the Tea Party... The Tea Party, which are like soccer moms and, and grandmothers that are out there picking up the litter after the, the, the protest so that the, you know, the, the state doesn't have to come and pick up the, the, the litter. This is the epitome of Norman Rockwell America to be demonized as terrorists. The Tsarnaev brothers that, that, that did the Boston Marathon bombing a year ago. There was actually the mainstream media that were trying to make them out to be right-wingers. You had uh, uh, James... Holmes, the, the Aurora uh, movie theater shooter, the right. Batman shooter, okay? Right. So you have ABC News uh, live saying, wow, there is a James Holmes in the state of Colorado who's a member of the Tea Party, so maybe the Tea Party responsible. You know, James Holmes is a kind of a common name. There are probably 300 James Holmeses in, in, in Colorado. So they find one utterly irresponsible. And then, yes, they backed off and they apologized, but, but there is an instinct, there is a motive to demonize the right, the Tea Party, the conservatives as being terrorists, because this 
Richard is part of their narrative. Well, let me give you another Stephen example. The right. Let me give you another example, uh, uh, David. Peter Bergen, who is the CNN's uh, national security analyst, and he's director at the New American Foundation, and he wrote an article recently saying that the U.S. right-wing extremists are more deadly than jihadists. And so that, you know, again, this is, uh, as you say... Uh, well, yeah, this... and Harry Reid. Harry yes. Reid called the, the Bundy people domestic terrorists. You know, and I say in my article, I say, you know, don't we kill terrorists? That's what we're always trying to kill terrorists, right? Right, right. Democrat, Republican, that's, yeah, they're terrorists. We want, to, we want to put them in Guantanamo or put them in a casket. That's what we do, right? Well, so you are, this is the height of irresponsibility. I mean, nobody fired a shot, okay? Because you are an American citizen and you legally own a gun, we do have something called the Second Amendment, which was not put there for hunting, Okay. Uh, we, 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 these people are, are, are standing out there with firearms to just not make them terrorists, okay? Um, but so I, I, I'm saying that, uh, you know, if you look at, like, abortion clinics, I, I, I am totally uh, opposed to bombing abortion clinics. It happens about once every 10 years. Somebody goes out of control and bombs an abortion clinic. However, it does create really good PR for the for the pro-choice side, they may uh, they they may complain about it, and they should complain. Everybody should complain about it. You don't go and bomb abortion. Clinics, exactly. Okay. Yes. However, the in the, in the public relations arena, it does gather um, a, a, a cause uh, sympathy to accrue to their side, uh, and so from a, from a hardcore PR standpoint, they deep down it's it's good for them because because people more people are moving against the. The, the, the pro-choice side. More people are pro-life, statistically. So what is my point? My point is that when you have, when, when your opponents get out of control and, and commit violent acts, the sympathy accrues to you. And I'm saying that part and parcel of the left-wing progressive um, narrative, is the word we use, is that people on the right, the people conservatives, Tea Partiers, are violent extremists and we've seen this constantly that that DHS report Department of Homeland Security they came out in 19, in in 2009 right after Obama was inaugurated and has been continual for the last 5 or 6 years that the right are terrorists the right are terrorists and here's Harry Reid over the weekend the right the the Bundy people are terrorists okay and so i think it is not a stretch at all to say that there's something deep down they won't admit it that would like to see somebody on the right go crazy and fire because it would validate all of their, not just their crazy narrative, it would validate the, the, the tyrannical agenda of gun control and confiscation and shutting down, you know, a, a conservative talk radio because they call it hate speech. See, that's the hate speech that caused these right-wing crazies to do this. I'm telling you, deep down, these are not nice people. They would love to see that happen because it serves their cause. Let's go back to the uh, the uh, the events following the roundup of all of uh, the uh, the Bundy cattle and these people that came across the, from across the country. Some of them were from militia groups and so forth, and some of them were armed. And they had this standoff, this stare down uh, with the BLM agents and other armed federal agents. Walk me through what happened there. Well, uh, you know, it was very scary. You know, and I don't necessarily, uh, you know, I, you, you see, you see this, these um, self-identified militia people there with their 
you know, they're AR-15 type black rifles and stuff. And they, well, why are you armed? Well, we're armed because they're armed. Pointing to the government agents. Yeah, that is scary. Okay, I'm not in favor of having, you know, militia guys show up and start shooting. Now they didn't. Everybody had plenty of restraint, and the the federal agents had. Uh, they're snarling uh, German shepherds and all the rest of it. But, you know, you have to put this in context. This is in the context of Americans. Many, you know, about half of Americans that are not in favor of this progressive transformation of America are terribly upset, angry, frustrated, don't know what they can do. And here they are, like, hassling this cattle rancher, and it's way, way overreach. And so there's a natural tendency to want to defend and to come out and you know yeah so you come out armed and 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 you're just you're just there you're just showing a uh, you're showing a a show of of support so i'm in favor of all that i am really glad i thank god it didn't descend into you know either side shooting i say either side you know advisedly because these are americans the the soldiers that are there you know, they're they, they're probably Nevadans. They're, they 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 live there. Uh, these are not bad people, in my view. Okay, they are they're 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 working for the federal government. They're in law enforcement. They're they have rules of engagement. They have orders. I I am horrified to see any kind of violence break out there. It doesn't need to over tortoises and grazing fees. Okay, this isn't over yet, obviously, though. Let's come back, and, and I want to talk also about uh, Senator Harry Reid, uh, his son-in-law, his involvement in this Chinese energy company, a little more detail, and whether perhaps things like Agenda 21 are playing into this, you know, protecting the tortoises on this land. Uh, we'll uh, discuss further the showdown at the Bundy Ranch with David Capillion from Whistleblower Magazine and World Net Daily right here on The Conspiracy Show back with more in a moment. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, the website richardserrett.com, S-Y-R-E-T-T. Uh, we're talking with David Capillion from WorldNet Daily, and he is also the editor of Whistleblower Magazine, and we are discussing the continuing saga of the uh, Bundy Ranch, where Clive and Bundy, Nevada rancher, facing off against the Bureau of Land Management uh, for non-payment fines and penalties of uh, for grazing fees that he's in arrears, somewhere uh, to the tune of a million dollars. And, of course, this has escalated uh, to basically, at one point, an armed standoff when the Bureau of Land Management, faced with members of the Oklahoma militia and others in support of Cliven Bundy, uh, blinked, basically, and returned the impounded cattle uh, to Cliven Bundy and his family. Uh, then there is... Uh, senior, the senior senator from Nevada, Harry Reid, who is also the Senate Majority Leader, a Democrat, uh, and this he was the subject of your uh, your article, David, Harry's War, uh, and I, I, you touched on it earlier, but I want to go a little deeper into uh, what's going on and and uh, with with Reid's family, Harry Reid's family, and why he may have an ulterior motive in in uh, getting Bundy off Bundy off the land. Yeah, I think he's got multiple ulterior motives, Richard. Uh, I mean, the BLM head, uh, Neil uh, Cornsey, I guess his name is, is uh, happens to have been Harry Reid's former aide for, for eight years. He, um, he, so, so Harry Reid is very much tied up in the BLM. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I mentioned earlier the Judge Janine um, 
uh, opening monologue on her show over the weekend. I, I urge people to listen to that because she really nailed it. And in about 10 minutes, you can hear a great deal. But in essence, what she said is that um, Harry Reid's son helped the Chinese to locate this acreage uh, where they're going to build this uh, largest solar energy complex in America. And I think they paid $4.5 million, she said. And Harry Reid is friends with the head of the Chinese company who hosted Harry when he visited China and all this, this stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, I just want to digress. You said earlier, talking about the oligarchy report, okay, the special interest groups, you know, with business interests are, who are really steering what happens in the country. That was the report was saying that the average person has little or no influence on the direction right. of the country. Right. That's what we're talking about here. This is, oh, well, it's the turtles. I mean, the tortoises, it's the this, it's the that, you know, it's, it's the, the blue-tailed gnat, you know. No, it's Harry Reid's, you know, personal business interest. So what, what Janine was saying, this is the, the latest, is that uh, Harry's son-in-law is in this firm that represents this Chinese company that wants to develop this big solar energy complex in Nevada, and that Bundy's cattle happened to be on the land that was designated uh, in, in writing, and she, she said that the document's been taken down, but apparently they have a copy of the document, uh, designated by the BLM as the mitigation area, meaning this is the safe place for the tortoises. If they can't be here, where you're going to have the, uh, the, the, the um, solar energy field, they have to be over where uh, the Bundys have been grazing their cattle for, for generations, okay? And that that's what you have to do for the solar energy project to move forward. And so, anyway, that's she, she is more knowledgeable on that than I am, and she was very incisive as a former prosecutor, and she did it in terms of, of making an indictment. She gave point by point of the indictment. So if people want to know about that, that's the best, most up-to-date source I know right now. And can I just mention one more thing about the racism? Yeah, I want to get into that. Absolutely, yes. Because I, first of all, it's it's completely irrelevant. Okay, uh, let's let's suppose that let's suppose Clavin Bundy was a Muslim. Okay, it it, it is a fact that most Muslims. Uh, well, let's just not make it controversial. Let's just say many Muslims do not like Jews. Okay, it's a cultural, religious. Thing. There's a okay. conflict, that, absolutely, there. Okay, yes. so supposing he were a Muslim, would the New York Times be saying, wait a minute, there's a big, there's a big deal here, stop the presses. Uh, Cliven Bundy does not like Jews, okay, because he's a Muslim, and, and he, he no, that would not be a factor. You can, this is not, a, and Cliven Bundy is not set up as the, the you know, the be-all and end-all and the expert and, and, uh, on, uh, of wisdom on all things. This is about this issue. But having said that, okay, uh, I, I don't, I've looked into this. I've listened to the tapes. Anybody who has a computer on the, on the Internet can watch the actual statements that he made. It's all there. and we have it on, It's at the bottom of my article, Harry's War. Um, and I've heard other things. I've, we have interviewed uh, family members, the secretary, and so forth. My own daughter uh, did an interview with the secretary there and said, no, we think slavery is horrible. Uh, this is... This is craziness, okay? But here's the point. What he was saying, in a, in, a, in a very awkward way, and his kids will say, my dad is not the most articulate speaker. Okay, he's a good guy, he's a principled guy, but he, he's not a great speaker. Uh, he's like Moses who needs Aaron, okay? <laughs> Except the points that he made 
are exactly the same points that a lot of the, the black conservatives like Star Parker, we published a book uh, by Star Parker called Uncle Sam's Plantation. This is a point that is made by many more articulate black conservatives, that liberal progressive government has destroyed blacks, destroyed the family, like Detroit and other big cities. These have all been run for a 100 years by liberal administrations, and look what they have done to black people. This is not some new breaking news. This, these are points that have been made many, many times by virtually all of the, the main black, the, 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 the Thomas Souls, the Shelby Steeles, the Walter Williams, uh, the Star Parkers, the, the Jesse Petersons. Dr. Ben Our Carson. black conservatives make these points, right. and that's what he was saying. All right, we'll take another time out, come back, and uh, yeah, I, I want to pull some excerpts from what he actually did say that didn't make it into the New York Times. Uh, back with more of my conversation with David Kupilian as we discuss standoff at the Bundy Ranch right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back. Uh, we are here with David Capillian from Whistleblower Magazine, World Net Daily, and uh, the author of the best-selling uh, The Marketing of Evil, which is uh, featured on uh, the front page of richardserrett.com in our uh, DVD and book pick of the week. Uh, now, going back to uh, Cliven Bundy's uh, controversial remarks... Uh, that were carried in the New York Times and uh, really out of context. Uh, and I think this is important to point out because a lot of people have jumped ship now. They no longer care what happens to the Bundy family and they no longer care whether the Bureau of Land Management gets to run roughshod over you know, ranchers in that area because he said some things that uh, a lot of people found disturbing. And, you know, even people, conservative commentators like Sean Hannity now totally distanced themselves, and I think it's cowardice, really. Um, but let's, let's take a look at what he said. Uh, while the tape was running, and he talked about, he made those comments, which you've uh, summarized, about, about slavery, and I, I think his wording was, to say the least, very un, un, uh, unfortunate. But he also said, Americans don't want to go back to the days where people did not have freedom. I was in the Watts riot. I seen the beginning fire and I seen the last fire. What I seen is civil disturbance. People are not happy. People is thinking they did not have their freedom. They didn't have these things and they didn't have them. We've progressed quite a bit from that day until now and sure don't want to go back. We sure don't want, and then he uses, you know, an unfortunate term, the colored people to go back to that point. We sure don't want the Mexican people to go back to that point. And we can make a difference right now by taking care of some of these bureaucracies and do it in a peaceful way. And then he goes on to say, David, now let me talk about the Spanish people. You know I understand that they come over here against our constitution and cross our borders, but they're here and they're people, and I've worked side by side with a lot of them. Don't tell me they don't work and they don't – and don't tell me they don't pay taxes and don't tell me they don't have better family structure than most of us white people. When you see those Mexican families – they're together. They picnic together. They're spending their time together. And I'll tell you, in my way of thinking, they're awful nice people. Does that sound like someone with hatred in his heart? Does that sound like an avowed racist, like someone like this, uh, this Donald Sterling, the owner of the L.A. Clippers? I don't think so. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, you know, to me, so, look, here's the problem. We have a big national sin of we had slavery in this country, you had segregation, okay? So that is a guilt, okay? So people play on those guilts, and we are, the left uses racism as a battering ram to, you know, if you're critical of Barack Obama about anything, you're a racist. So we, we're, we're almost to where we can't even tell, you know, and we're just not even objective anymore because we're so sensitive to the charge 
<clears throat> but using the term colored people, Negro, I mean, yeah, they're old terms, but, you know, I think we still have the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and the United Negro College Fund. I mean, we, we haven't, like, changed those names yet. They're, it's not like using the N-word. They're just old-time terms, and he's an old-time guy. He, he's... He has 14 kids. Only people know that. He has 14 children, and we've talked to a number of them. They say, look, my dad is just, that's the way he is. He talks the way he did, you know, a, a generation ago. He's, 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 he's not a, he, it was one good comment I saw in one of the articles we did. The person, this is a guy without guile, okay? He's just, he's just saying it the way he sees it, and inarticulate, inelegant, but you have to discern what is the heart. Like you just said, Richard, does this sound like a venal person with a bad motive, a bad heart? It doesn't to me. No. In fact, his his bodyguard is an African-American who said, I will take a bullet for Cliven Bundy. I look up to him like a grandfather, and he's treated me with nothing but love and kindness and hospitality. Yeah, God bless him. So this is, as Harry Reid said, this is not the end. Uh, Where do you see this going from here? I mean, what's the next step? Well... You know, the, you mentioned Sean Hannity. Okay, yeah, I know he backed off uh, from his supporting uh, Bundy in terms of the racism thing, but I have to tell you, Hannity and uh, Greta, I would say, very likely are the ones who averted a, a huge tragedy by having the glare of the TV lights out there. Everything that was happening happened for the whole country to watch, and that was a part that really helped with the restraint on the part of the, the, the participants on both sides. We don't want it to go back to that. Uh, th- there's a lot of light being shed on this. When you have sunlight, you know, that, that can help things go in a good direction. Um, whether it's going to go back to the, the brink where you have, you know, the militia people there and they bring the armed troops and the snarling dogs back, uh, nobody knows, okay? Only Harry Reid and the, <laughs> the people, the BLM and the, whoever they're listening to know. We're going to have to wait. But I think the fact that there's so much light shed on this and that they can't, it's not going to happen in the dark. The, the TV cameras are out there. Uh, and, um, you know, hope, hopefully that will be, that will be the, uh, the factor that will allow it to, you know, allow the, the, the cockroaches to go back under the refrigerator, you know, because the lights are on and they uh, they won't go and they we won't have a, a shootout and we won't have uh, Bundy's rights being trampled. Look, all they have to do, uh, you see Napolitano, the judge, former Superior Court judge on Fox every night, saying this is stupid. All they have to do is slap a lien on his property. You know how long it takes the government to spend a million dollars? Nine seconds. This is not about a million dollars, okay? This is about power and intimidation and making an example uh, of, of, of the Bundy family. And I don't think people should allow it to happen. But, I, you know, between the fact that they, they, you know, you have the TV cameras there and you have a lot of Americans there, I am hopeful that it will go in a different direction. As am I. But let me ask you, and, and maybe, I, I don't think I'm overstating this, but maybe I am. I'm wondering if... This standoff, this situation that's playing out, uh, is sort of a watershed moment. Okay, maybe it's not the Boston Tea Party, but I'm wondering if there is this groundswell of of people who are fed up with what they perceive as an abuse of power, um, you know, by uh, branches of the government, and whether there is being a there is a line being drawn here in the sand, and as you say, let's hope this does not end violently, uh, but. 
I mean, there is the potential that this could erupt into something greater. What, what, what are your thoughts? Am I overstating it? Is this a watershed moment? I, I, possibly, but I mean, the thing is that, that it, because it has tremendous sort of uh, iconic uh, symbolism to it. You know, he's a, the, the rancher. You know, this, this is why Marlboro became the best-selling cigarette because it was associated with the Marlboro Man. I make that point in the marketing of evil. It's, it's an association. He's a very likable character, even putting this whole uh, flap over alleged racism aside. You know, he, he's an aging cattle rancher. He's got 14 children. They're loyal. They love him. They're out there. Uh, we, we don't want to see federal officers coming and tasering his kids, as, as happened. Uh, a lot of people, look, I'm in the news business. A lot of people write us and say, what can we do? We see our country going down the drain at 300 miles an hour. What can we do? So here is an instance where people are doing something. They, they naturally rise to the occasion to go and defend him and just to stand in solidarity. And people say, well, he's breaking the law. I say, you know what? There's a thing called civil disobedience. Uh, Gandhi embraced it. Martin Luther King embraced it. This is how we, <clears throat> how the, the 60s civil rights movement actually came to in, into, into a successful fruition and <clears throat> was through uh, peaceful, peaceful, civil disobedience. So there is a place for strategically breaking the law. You're going to get arrested. You don't complain because you're doing it so you can get arrested. Uh, there, th that kind of thing, there's a potential for that, and that's very powerful influence in awakening the conscience of a nation. You have good people getting arrested, committing civil disobedience. I'm not talking about shooting. That would be a huge mistake, a huge tragedy. And uh, people go out there and they start shooting some federal agents. They are falling right into the trap that has been set by them. That is exactly deep down what certain people want, because they want, as I said before, to validate this, this sick left-wing narrative that it is the right, the conservatives, the traditional Americans with traditional Judeo-Christian values that are the violent uh, antisocial ones. And so we, we want to have restraint. We don't want to give in uh, to the anger and the frustration. We need to be strong, but we need to, be, we need to have self-control. Do you think Bundy should, should uh, tell the, the militias, if you want to come, leave your weapons at home so that this doesn't escalate, but they can still show their support, form a human chain or whatever they need to do? I think that would be a good idea. I think he needs to show some, some leadership there. Because I can tell you right now, there is no way in heaven or hell that any number of militia people are going to outshoot the, the federal government. Okay, that is an absolute insane pipe dream. All that's going to lead to is the shedding of innocent blood on both sides and, uh, and, and as I said, validating the, le the left-wing delusion that it is normal conservative soccer moms, you know, Boy Scout Americans that are the, the violent ones. Okay, that is, that is a, a huge mistake. So that's my warning. All right. Now, in, in the meantime, what we have um, uh, coming up in May, and I, I, I don't know if you've been uh, covering this at WorldNet Daily. I, 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 think you've, I think I've seen some articles on there about this Operation American Spring where you have a number of retired um, uh, U.S. military officers who are trying to organize um, not even a million-man march on on Washington, but they're they're looking for uh, you know maybe ten million uh, uh, people to march on Washington uh, and demand 
um, uh, you know, the resignation of, of President Obama and, and the vice president and uh, uh, Boehner, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the leader in the, uh, in the House, uh, Eric Holder and so forth. Um, what do you think of uh, – have you been following that and what do you think of this uh, Operation American Spring, which I believe they're, they're talking about May 16th. They want this march on Washington, occupation. As long as it is nonviolent and is dignified, 10 million, the more the better, 15, 20 million. It's absolutely legal, constitutional, and in the finest tradition of, of uh, you know, American freedom of speech and assembly to go and do that. These people that are running the country right now are lawless. This is not even a controversial statement I'm making. They're absolutely lawless. Okay, and to have a large number of people go to Washington and to circle the White House and just to stay there in shifts and to you know what you could even do it like um, uh, Joshua going around the um, uh, Jericho, just march around. Don't, don't just in silence. Okay, march in silence and great dignity, but you have thousands and thousands of people circling the White House, circling Washington, uh, the, the, the presence of those people and their dignity, the fact that they are not freaking out, okay, but they are standing there and they're watching and they are like sentinels, that would freak out the, the White House. And uh, so, yes, I'm all for uh, exercising our constitutional rights in a, in a, you know, in a dignified, nonviolent way. I think it's effective and worth doing. All right, David, before we say goodnight, uh, what are you working on these days? Your next article or a new book? Oh, I, 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 I think I've got a book that's gestating right now, but I don't talk about it yet. But it's, it'll, it'll be kind of like the third in the trilogy of the, uh, the marketing of evil and how evil works. And then, of course, Whistleblower Magazine is our monthly print publication and um, anybody if they want to they can just look at whistleblowermagazine.com and they can go and they can read all about that uh, that's always got very very interesting stuff that uh, we try to connect all the dots in a way that uh, people don't see anywhere else and of, of course uh, WND used to be World Net Daily and now we go to the corporate three letter WND.com uh, like Kentucky Fried Chicken is now KFC, so we're, 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 we're WND. Uh, it, the world, the country is in so much on fire. The news is so amazing. Uh, you you got to go and check it out. Well, I appreciate the work that you do at uh, Whistleblower, certainly, and uh, WND. Uh, I follow your columns regularly, and I appreciate your time tonight, David. Thanks for having me on, Richard. I enjoyed it. My pleasure. David Kapillion and... Uh there you go. The Bundy saga continues, and we'll continue to talk about that in the uh, the weeks ahead, I'm sure. Uh, listen, I want to draw your attention very quickly to the website, The Conspiracy Show, or sorry, uh, richardserrett.com, which is the website for The Conspiracy Show, richardserrett.com. As you know, a couple of months back, relaunched it, uh, sort of made uh, some changes. I want to mention a couple of things. Now, for the first time in quite a while, you can go into the past shows and actually... Uh, click on a link there where you can listen to that past show. We're in the stages of getting uh, all of the programs sort of going back to about 2011, all connected to an audio file. So when you go to the, the previous shows, you'll simply have to click on a button and you'll be able to listen to that past show. 
The other thing is, still looking for subscribers to the uh, the website. Uh, I want to get it to a critical mass of 500 subscribers before I launch my uh, e-newsletter. And uh, we're still a couple of hundred away. So get on to richardserrett.com, subscribe, get to that 500 magic number, and I'll start uh, delivering that weekly newsletter, e-newsletter. Help me out with that. Thank you so much. In the meantime, follow the truth. Hey, welcome aboard. Good to have you here. And uh, thanks, as always, for allowing me into your home and inside your head. And thank you for your ears. Anyways, wherever you are, I pray you're safe, warm, dry, and well-fed. Uh, once again, I want to welcome new affiliate KBEL AM 1240 in Idabel, Oklahoma, uh, which also serves uh, the Shreveport, or Shreveport, Louisiana uh, area as well. Uh, but I believe the station is located in Idabel, Oklahoma. Thank you, KBEL 1240, for making The Conspiracy Show part of your weekly lineup. And whether you're listening in on our flagship station here, AM 740 Zuma Radio out of Toronto, uh, or online at zoomaradio.ca, or one of our growing list of affiliates throughout the United States, uh, or maybe even the podcast. Hell, maybe you're even uh, uh, off the grid and you're listening to The Conspiracy Show on a hand-cranked radio. However you're receiving the program, uh, welcome. Um, medical journalist and publisher, uh, editor of Vitality Magazine, Helka Ferry, uh, was to be with us in this hour to discuss Lyme disease. As you know, next month, May, is Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Um, we had some technical difficulties hooking up with Helki for tonight, but she will be joining us in a few weeks in May, as I say, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when it will be Lyme Disease Awareness Month. And we'll talk about what many people are calling the invisible epidemic. When you look at the statistics, it's, actually, it's quite frightening and um, very difficult, as I understand it, particularly in certain regions of this country, Ontario, British Columbia, uh, to get a proper diagnosis and to get proper treatment. So instead, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to do an hour of open lines because it's been too long. And I tell you, I get a lot of uh, emails um, and tweets, people asking me, you know, why don't you take more calls? And I wish I, wish I had a four-hour show uh, and I could do more of that. But we're going to do it now, right now. Open lines uh, until we dim the lights here. Um, so here's what you need to do to call into the program. And I know we roll these phone numbers out, uh, out coming out and going into breaks, but I'm going to break with format here and give you these numbers right now to phone into the program. It's you, me, and the telephone for the next hour. 416-360-0740. In the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, one 866 740 1-866-740-4740, all right? So as a, an old uh, colleague uh, in radio of mine, uh, Jim Richards, used to say, scratch that into the dust on your dashboard <laughs> so you'll remember it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running my mouth and speaking my mind on a whole range of topics over the next hour, and you can jump in and join the conversation or you can bring up something else you'd like to talk about. Uh, keeping in mind, of course, this is The Conspiracy Show. And so we discuss, yes, 
conspiracies. But we also talk about the strange, the weird, the supernatural, the paranormal. And we do it in a mutually respectful and responsible way. So if you think you're going to get on the air and spread venom and hate, think again. But if you want to discuss Lyme disease, for example, in Helky Fairy's absence, I'd very much like to hear from people who've had or who have Lyme disease. I'd like to know what your experience has been, whether you were able to, to get a proper diagnosis and proper treatment. And recently, uh, I spoke to WorldNet Daily's David Kupilian about the continuing saga at the uh, Bundy Ranch in Nevada. And I know a lot of people stopped caring about what's happening there in Nevada after Bundy started shooting his mouth off. Even a lot of conservative commentators have abandoned this story, and that's a shame because what's happening in Nevada, I truly believe, is tyrannical and it's a fundamental abuse of power. And, and let me say again, and I've stated this previously, I don't believe Cliven Bundy is a racist. He's an old guy who says things in a very politically incorrect way and sometimes in an unfortunate way. But if you look at the video, not just the little tiny five-second excerpts where he's used the term Negro or colored people, which is unfortunate, but that's a throwback to an earlier time, and he's an old guy. But if you look at the video and you hear what he said in its entirety, I don't see how you can come away with any other conclusion that, yes, he doesn't say things in the best way, but his heart is in the right place. This is not the heart of a venal, hateful person. This is not like Donald Sterling, that clown who's the, who, who owns the, the, uh, the L.A. Clippers. The horrible things he said. That is the heart of a venal, hateful person. Cliven Bundy is an old codger from a, a bygone era whose heart is in the right place. I challenge you to read the full excerpt or look at that video and come up with another a, a conclusion. Take the time. It's that important. Don't just listen to Jon Stewart and look at those little snippets and say, oh, he's a racist. We should stop caring about what happens to the Bundy family. This is serious. This is an abuse of power. And if we start saying, well, we don't care about tyranny if the people affected are people that we disagree with, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not how freedom works. That's not how you defend freedom. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones and uh, let's welcome Dan, I believe, is calling from India, Indianapolis. Is that right? Dan, are you there? Hey, Dan. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Okay. Uh, we... This is Dan from oh. Minneapolis, actually. Oh, there's Dan. Okay, we're having some problems with our phone system. I don't know if it's that big solar flare we had a couple, about a week ago, but <laughs> here we are, Dan from Indianapolis, and uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So uh, it says here, Dan, you wanted to talk about Phil Marshall, and uh, there's a name that goes back uh, a while. Dan, uh, the late Phil Marshall, who wrote uh, The Big Bamboozle about uh, 9-11, I had uh, Phil on my program on the radio a couple of times, interviewed him in Santa Monica, and then I received a horrible email one day uh, that Phil had allegedly shot his two children before turning the gun on himself. And um, I understand you want to talk about Phil. Yes. Uh, myself and a couple others uh, are citizen investigators here uh, covering the case. I have never met Phil or his family 
um, I thought it extremely strange uh, when the situation went down and decided to follow the story a little bit. And uh, right off the bat, things didn't uh, didn't add up at all as far as uh, the situation. Um, uh, this is a Northern California house uh, where Phil lived uh, uh, with his children, and he's going through a divorce at the time. But uh, Phil's also a former CIA pilot during the mid early 80s years before the Contra, Iran-Contra really took off. So uh, very interesting as far as how quickly the local sheriff's department uh, put this case together, wrapped it up, tied it off with a bow, called it a suicide. and uh, Suicide uh, homicide, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, ruled it a, uh, a double double homicide, and then he turned the gun on himself. So, well, I, I didn't. I didn't know Phil Marshall um, that well. I did meet him in person in Santa Monica. We shot an episode for the TV show, which is yet to air, and, and we're confident that one day it will. Uh, and um, what can you tell about a person? You know, you meet face to face for about two hours. We spoke on the phone a number of times. We had an. Um, uh, he was on on the radio show a couple of times. Uh, here's the interesting thing, uh, Dan, is I had a, a fairly lengthy email thread with him. He would check in with me to see, well, has the TV episode aired yet? And I would say, no, it's been delayed and so on and so forth. And uh, then a couple months later, I get this email from a listener with the uh, the link to the, the newspaper uh, with this horrible story. And I don't know, maybe I'm. Uh, this is kind of morose or morbid of me, but often what I do when I hear of someone dying that I've known, I go back into my email and I say, well, what was our last conversation about? I don't know why I do that, but I do it. And I, I'm here to tell you, I never, ever delete emails unless it's spam. Um, because I, I guess I'm not very organized. All my contact information is, and, and Tim is... You know, nodding in frustration, my producer saying, "Yes, why don't you put this stuff into a database? We're always scrambling to find the the numbers for the guests we have on the program, and I, here I am searching through my emails. That's how I organize my 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 sources. All their phone numbers, all their contact information is in my email. So I never ever delete uh, those types of emails. So I went looking for my my email thread with Phil Marshall, and it was gone. There must have been a dozen emails." Uh, stretching over maybe a year and a half, uh, including emails that we had while we were on the road in Santa Monica, you know, saying, okay, we're, we're arriving at Santa Monica Pier, where will we meet you, and so forth. All of that, it was in there, all gone. And I thought, isn't this strange? Isn't this, I've never, this has never happened to me before. So I'm wondering, in your investigation, um, I mean, have you have you talked to other people where they've noticed similar things happening, and they're you know that have had contact with Phil, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, emails have been tampered with, that sort of thing. Well, uh, Mr. Marshall is working on a new book. Um, he was a big uh, 9/11 uh, investigator himself, being a former pilot. He was the basically the leading uh, authority on 9/11 from a from a pilot perspective. Uh, yeah, he and, lost you know, colleagues. I mean, some of his colleagues were the pilots on those United Airline flights. He was a United Airline uh, pilot, and he was, I believe he launched a class action lawsuit against President Bush and Dick Cheney and so forth on behalf of those families. Yeah, he was, he was part of, he was uh, certainly part of that, and he spoke on, on C-SPAN once and did some uh, uh, speaking uh, as far as um, on the whole case. He was very close with former 
Senator Bob Graham from that's, Florida. That's right. He was the, the, the chair, the co-chair of the first 9-11 investigation, not the whitewash that came later that, had, that was funded uh, – well, basically, uh, I think they spent more on George Bush's re-election barbecue – uh, or a barbecue uh, um, celebration after he was elected. They spent more on that barbecue, I read, than they did on the second 9-11 commission, sort of what's been known as the official one. But there was one before that, and that was chaired by Florida Senator Bob Graham, moderate Republican, and he was the one that was connecting the dots between members of the Saudi royal family and these terrorists. And... Uh, Bob Graham was was told that if you publish this report, as is, you will go to jail. So it was heavily redacted. Uh, Dan, can you hold on through the break? Yes. Yeah, I, wa- I want to take a time out, come back, and, and uh, Dan is with us from Indianapolis, who uh, is launching an investigation uh, into the death of Phil Marshall, the author of 9-11, The Big Bamboozle. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show and your calls. If you've got a line, hold on to it. I'm back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. I thought it was um, high time that we did some open lines on the program. We don't get an opportunity very often, but tonight is it. So if you've got a line, hold on to it. We have a full board of lines, but uh, be patient. And uh, uh, Dan is on the line from Indianapolis, uh, who is launching an investigation into the the death. Well, it's been billed as a officially as a murder-suicide. Uh, Philip Marshall, uh, who has been on this program a couple of times, back in February of 2013... Uh, I believe he lived near Santa Barbara, um, was found dead in his home of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot and also dead his two teenage children. Horrible, horrible story. Um, now, Dan, um, your investigation, where, where is it? Uh, first of all, why did you get involved in this? Well, I got involved mainly because of the, the family aspect of it, um, having two teenage children myself. Uh, it kind of hit home when I, when I followed the story. And uh, couldn't believe, uh, you know, anyone doing this, much less a guy like Phil, who I uh, kind of, uh, after reading a lot about him, very similar to myself, uh, easygoing guy, um, very active with the kids' lives and stuff like that. And then you hear this story where he um, shot the two children while they were sleeping at close range, one bullet shot to the head while sleeping on the sofa for both of the children, both on the sofa and the family dog, and then turned the gun on himself. It, it didn't ring too true uh, as far as uh, how how that all went down. It seemed too goofy to me um, in a situation like that. Uh, I yeah, I mean, interested. yeah, I, I'm wondering, um, you know, it's been suggested, and this is only a theory with no, no proof uh, to back it up, and maybe you'll find something, that... You know, there's no better way to discredit someone and to silence them. If you want to silence them and discredit them at the same time, you don't simply suicide them. In other words, kill them and make it look like a suicide. You suicide them and then you also turn them into a homicidal maniac by, you know, murdering members of the family. That's a pretty good way of discrediting someone and silencing them at the same time. And so it's been suggested that this was essentially a black ops to silence and discredit Phil Marshall because he was getting too close to the truth when it came uh, to, to 9-11. What are your thoughts? Correct. I, I believe the, the way this is, the narrative and the story, how this has been run, has been a, basically a major smear campaign, a discredit campaign. Uh, him and uh, his estranged wife were, were getting ready to get a divorce, 
Um, they were on good terms. Um, he was helping her get into a new business. Um, they went on a trip to Turkey a month before. Um, so they've been very amicable getting getting uh, getting this business started up. Um, but if you read the the narrative in the in the local newspaper, said they were on, on their outs with the uh, divorce. It was a messy divorce. It, it claimed uh, they had problems with the kids. Uh, he was using pain medication. It was very slanted one direction. Um, now Phil was on, uh, you know, disability after being a, a pilot with Eastern Airlines, and he did have the back, his, his, his continuing back, uh, back pain, back problems. So he was on his medication. But the the way the media slanted it was, uh, he was addicted to painkillers. He was on outs with the with the, uh, with the wife. Um, so they had just also had another uh, trip planned out to Turkey. Two weeks after the um, you know the murders of the bodies were found, so he was in no way uh, on on bad terms with the ex uh, with some of the ex wives. Yeah, as you say, it doesn't seem to add up. But again, um, you know, we need to ev- evidence, and and I hope I wish you the best of luck with your investigation. Uh, we'll check in with you from time to time if you get any 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 leads. But I understand in the meantime you've um, you've got a Facebook page uh, sort of dedicated to uh, I think it's called Justice for Phil Marshall. Tell me about that. Yeah, the the uh, Facebook page we started up and now has, um, I believe, about 290 uh, members on the page. It's called Justice for Philip, Alex, and Michaela Marshall. It's for the whole family. It's not just for Phil. It's uh, it's dedicated to finding justice and getting the truth out on this. Uh, what we we call is a triple homicide that took place um, in their family home in Murphy's, California. Um, and so we've got we've got posting their uh, articles links. Um, reports, the police reports, uh, different comments uh, from locals in the in the community and people who have done uh, additional research. Um, we've got family members of uh, Phil as as uh, friends in the group as well. So it's a pretty good group that we've got there, and um, none of it doesn't really tie together the official story. And all we're doing is doubting the official story. We don't have really, um, you know. Uh, Assumptions on what was done that day. We just we have we have stripped out what we know to not have taken place, and and none of the evidence leads to a uh, double double murder uh, followed by a suicide. Uh, Dan, are you going to hire uh, like a professional private investigator, or maybe you're you one yourself? I don't know, but are you are you going to recruit people to help you with this investigation? Right now, it's all been just uh, on the citizen side. Uh, we've had a couple a group go out there. Done some talking and some interviews with the, with the uh, with the locals and the neighbors, but so far nothing's been in the plans uh, as far as that. All right, listen. Uh, I understand. I'm just checking my email. You've sent me a link to that Facebook page, and and um, what I'll try to do is uh, I'll I'll post that on my website. And and uh, again, it's justice for Philip, Alex, and is it Michaela? Michaela, yes. Michaela, the daughter. Yes, we can't forget the two children in this horrible tragedy. Well, I hope you get to the truth, uh, Dan, and anything I can do, uh, because as I said, I, I did have the uh, uh, the occasion to meet uh, Philip face-to-face on one occasion and uh, talk with him a couple of times on the radio, and I, I was absolutely uh, shocked when I heard about his, his, um, his death and under those horrible circumstances an alleged murder-suicide. So again, I wish you the best of luck. Anything I can do, let me know, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call, Dan. And uh, Tim, where are we going next? Okay. And who's the caller? Just give me a name. 
All right. Let's say hi to Rose. Rose, are you there? Oh, hello. Hi, Rose. Um, Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm a long-time listener, and I'm calling from Toronto. Welcome. I was wondering um, if you would be willing to share any personal insights or perspectives you might have on um, the crisis in the Ukraine. There's been some really disturbing news coming out about violence in, on many levels, and, you know, my heart goes out to all the people there. But um, a lot of the media reports seem to focus on, um, for instance, Vladimir Putin's, you know, personal psychological profile or um, or ethnic tensions. And I was wondering if you had any insights on um, if there could be military or, or economic causes underlying the conflict, and if so... Um, what you think might be happening? Well, I, 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 as I always say, nothing is as it appears, uh, certainly in the mainstream media. Uh, what I said from the, the get-go, and I, and I stand by this, uh, this, is about, um, this is about essentially putting missiles in Ukraine, NATO missiles, and tightening the noose around Russia. Uh, going back to the, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, there was an agreement struck between the United States and the former Soviet Union, that they would not expand NATO right into Russia's sphere of influence. In other words, you know, uh, past East Berlin. Uh, and so what has happened since then? All of these former Eastern Bloc uh, countries that were once within the sphere of the Soviet Empire have now become NATO countries. Look at Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Uh, look at uh, uh, Poland. There are now missiles, uh, I believe, in Poland. Uh, and so the, the idea is in order to further uh, U.S. European hegemony, who's standing in their way? Countries like Russia and China. And so to tighten the noose on, on Russia – and th- listen, there's no doubt that Vladimir Putin at his, at his – at the depth of his soul, he's a nationalist. He would he's, – he's on record as saying, you know, one of the greatest – tragedies was when the Soviet empire collapsed. He would love to see a greater Russia. So, you know, he does have to be contained somewhat. Is he Hitler? Absolutely not. He is not Adolf Hitler. Is he a communist? Absolutely not. All we hear about Vladimir Putin from the West is former KGB agent Vladimir Putin. Well, if you go back to uh, the dying days of the Soviet Union, remember those iconic images of former uh, the late president, Boris Yeltsin, standing on the Soviet tank, waving the Russian flag, uh, denouncing uh, the former you know, uh, Soviet empire uh, as the, the, the tanks were bombarding the, 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 the parliament buildings in Moscow. And uh, Boris Yeltsin was hailed as a hero. Well, what many, many people may have forgotten was that in St. Petersburg, Vladimir Putin was doing the same thing quit the KGB, denounced communism. In fact, when he was a KGB spy in West Germany, that's when he became acquainted with the free market, free enterprise, democracy, and he became a fan. And one of the first things he did when he was finished that mission was to head back to St. Petersburg and uh, uh, hook up with his old economics professor. His name escapes me at the moment, but he is sort of considered the Milton Friedman of Russia free market capitalist. He lived with him for a, t- for a time and uh, uh, became a free market capitalist, denounced communism, again, in the, in the d- dying days of the, of the Soviet Union, um, was basically 
out there like Boris Yeltsin standing up to the uh, to the the old regime. So he's not a communist, and he's certainly no Hitler. Um, he's a bit of a an autocrat, no doubt. Uh, one might argue that that's exactly what Russia needs. You know, you don't go from communism to you know total democracy and free enterprise overnight. It takes time. There needs to be a transition. Uh, I've read. And I, I, I agree to a certain point that Vladimir Putin may be the greatest Russian leader since Peter the Great. If, you've look, if you look at what he's done for the standard of living in Russia, um, as someone who is a, uh, an Orthodox Christian, he has uh, rebuilt 23,000 Russian Orthodox churches, given all the land back to the Orthodox Church that was taken from them by communists. He wears a crucifix in public. He's a, he, he loves to talk about the Bible. I believe he is a God-fearing Christian. And so I do not buy for a moment this characterization as Putin as a Hitler. He is not. Uh, see, sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I wanted to ask your follow-up thoughts on um, when the media discusses the Baltic Republic's as though it were related to the Ukraine. Do you feel that's um, an exaggeration, or, or do you feel that that's a misleading, um, I guess, direction? You're talking about Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania. Yes, yes. Well, it seems to be expanding the thought that they're, that they're related as well, or do you, do you feel that's um, an unfair um, um, projection? Well, uh, you know, put yourself in Vladimir Putin's uh, place. Uh, he sees this eastward expansion of NATO uh, despite assurances that it wouldn't happen. So essentially, the Russians were lied to by the West. They were told that NATO wouldn't expand in that way. Uh, do you want nuclear missiles pointing at you in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania? Well, the United States, well, let's go back 52 years to the Cuban Missile Crisis when the rules were reversed and Khrushchev had put missiles, nuclear missiles, in Cuba. How did the United States react to that? We almost – we were on the cusp of World War III. And so this is the new Cold War except now the roles are reversed and it's the United States and, the, and NATO trying to put the squeeze on Russia. Uh, and this time we don't have Jack Kennedy in the White House to get us out of this mess. So um, I can't necessarily blame for Putin to try and exert – the old Russian influence on the Baltic republics again and in the eastern part of Ukraine. Those regions in Ukraine now that are being uh, – experiencing this tension, they actually have a history of being independent countries. Unlike, for example, Kosovo in, uh, in Serbia, which unilaterally – it's, you know, it's okay for Kosovo to succeed, but it's not okay for certain parts of Ukraine to secede. If it's, you know, if the West and the CIA is in agreement with a country splitting away from another country, then it's okay. But when Russia does it or when a country secedes and, and wants to throw their lot in with Russia, all of a sudden, you know, that's not on. So the hypocrisy here is rampant. Now, you know, I'm not saying that, that Vladimir Putin is, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's got some baggage, obviously. But I'm trying to put my, myself in his place, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we can get out of this thing without starting World War III. And I, I just don't see a lot of uh, um, a brilliance on the part of the U.S. foreign policy. It seems to me like they're really trying to push this thing in, in, towards a, an acute angle, like they want to stand off. Oh, yes. 
Well, thank you so much for your insights, and I, I really enjoy your show. I'm a longtime listener for many years, so, so thank you very much. Rose, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Good night. All right. If you've got a line, hold on to it. We will get to you. Open lines till the top of the hour, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from just about anywhere, one 866 The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Say, this is going so well, we'll have to do this more often. Open lines until the uh, top of the hour. And um, we can talk about the, um, uh, the, uh, the Bundy Ranch. We can talk about Lyme disease. We do have an upcoming show on Lyme disease during Lyme Disease Awareness Month. But uh, um, from what I'm understanding, it's very difficult for those who believe they have Lyme disease. And it can, it can masquerade as many different diseases, any, everything from multiple sclerosis to heart disease uh, to uh, uh, um, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and all this from a corkscrew-shaped bacterium, a, a tick, uh, and it's now, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're finding out, sexually transmitted. It can be in the blood supply, and yet it's not being screened for. This is a horrible, scary situation, uh, and I'm understanding that it's difficult to get a proper diagnosis, particularly here in Ontario, because the doctors don't get it. They deny it, many of them. They'll say, it's your imagination, or it's something else. And so they're not getting a proper diagnosis, these patients. Therefore, they're not getting treated properly. And those doctors that are, that are up to speed on treating Lyme disease are chased out of the profession, threatened with some sort of punishment or penalty if they go through the um, what is now understood to be the proper treatment, which I believe uh, involves massive doses of antibiotics. So even if you get a, a diagnosis here in Ontario, for example, they won't treat you. They'll say, go to the U.S. You're better off there. Or if they do treat you, it's done on the QT. In fact, they'll take patients' files home so they don't get caught. That's what it's come to. That's how serious this is. So if, you've, if you have Lyme disease or know someone who has it, would like to hear what your experiences uh, are like. All right. Uh, who do we have? Uh, shall we go to Claire next? Let's go with uh, Claire. And where's Claire calling from? Claire is in Toronto. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Sorry, we're having a little trouble with our phone line. So we're doing sort of a fireman brigade here with the water buckets uh, to get the phones on the air. Hi, Claire. Hi, long time no here. Um, no, I listen to you all the time, but I haven't called in. But um, I just want to make a comment on this gentleman, um, elderly gentleman, Mr. Bundy. Yes. He's not racist. He's just using old-fashioned terminology. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of black people know that he's not racist. People are not stupid. Um, and a lot of these progressive people really can um, play on, um, you know, that they, they kind of like to condescend to the black people with their progressive political correctness. And they don't fool any black people. We're not that stupid. We know genuine people when we hear them. The man is just using, you can hear the genuineness in his words and in his speech. And um, black people are not stupid, as some people would like to believe, you know. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear your perspective, uh, Claire. Yes, uh, because it's not racist. We know the difference. Negro means black. I don't care what you're going to say. Any, any old terminology or even new scientific, the word negro or melanin, they both translate into black. And that's just the truth. 
Right. You must love the truth. That's it. Uh, it's 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 nice to hear that uh, because oh, yes. it, you no, know a lot of us are are, are 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 thinking the same thing, and we're yeah. we're in this we're in this culture now, this environment where we're afraid to say things that are obvious. It's people who are phony. They want to play phony games, and it's not only with color; they do it with all kinds of religious things. You know, they are very phony people, and they want to use their phoniness to to get their way. You know, it's not. They don't fool anybody who's slightly intelligent, really. Well, again, I, and I wish people would would uh, would look at the full video, and it's available. Yes. I think I'll post it online and hear what he actually said. Yes, yes. When he says, let me talk about the Spanish people. You know, I understand they come over here against our Constitution and cross our borders, but they're yes. here and they're people, and I've worked side by side with a lot of them. Don't tell me they don't work. Don't tell me they don't pay taxes. Don't tell me they don't have better family structure than most of us white people. That does not sound like a racist. Yes, he's just speaking the truth, but people like to twist. Some people can twist anything you say into something else because they're liars and they're experts at it. Appreciate your call, Claire. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Yeah, if you want to shoot somebody, the first thing you do is you demonize them, and that's what the New York Times is doing. So if you believe that Clive and Bundy is this reprehensible racist, then look at the full video. Hear what he actually said. The New York Times manipulated, twisted. And I know everybody says, oh, this was taken out of context. Everybody, that's the sort of the the last defense of everybody, right, who says something. Oh, it was taken out of context. In this case, it was. You're getting little five-second uh, snippets. Oh, he's, he used the word Negro. He used the, the term colored people. Therefore, he's a racist. No. Dig a little deeper. Do your homework. This is serious. This could escalate. We could have, we could have dozens and dozens of people shot dead if this, if this goes the wrong way. Innocent people. All right, uh, let's say hello to, oh, it's our good friend, Douglas Cottrell, the man with x-ray eyes, a reg, no stranger to this program. <laughs> Douglas, how are you, my friend? Uh, thank you, uh, Richard. Uh, I'm driving home here from London, uh, back to the center in Hamilton, listening to your show, as I usually do on Sunday nights. And I thought I'd call in since you've opened the, the lines up here. Yes. It's been a long, long time since you've done this. I think, indeed, you should do it more often. Uh, good idea. I will. I will. I was uh, listening to uh, your previous guest about uh, the uh, Mr. Bundy and uh, and the uh, the situation in Nevada, and it, I thought I'd call up and say my uh, my impression tonight, if you if you care to have it. Absolutely. Um, you're right. This is a watershed situation going on. Uh, the nation is super sensitive to uh, these these terms and the situation where they're too quick to pull out the guns. And uh, the government taking sides or forcing people into situations, uh, and the as they can see, the watershed this uh, situation, this grassroots situation, is growing, where people are really angry, and they're not going to take it anymore. Uh, the the government is practicing uh, isolation and alienation when they uh, take these these uh, comments that this poor man made out of context. I think any reasonable person listening to the video that you've alluded to or you're going to post on your website uh, would see right away that the man was talking casually, 
He's not a professional uh, in the media. He's not being interviewed as if he were watching every word, if he was trying to make points. He was just speaking off the cuff. And I think the whole idea that uh, the government's going to send in armed people with snarling dogs and uh, militia, uh, not militia, rather uh, government forces, uh, to collect a few bills because the man has had a few cattle grazing on, uh, on government land that they've done historically, it's absolutely a sign of the times that government uh, is now turning into this tyranny that uh, they're attacking the little guys for the gain of a few. And I think the fact that this man's son is now in part and parcel with the uh, uh, foreign powers who want to profit by the use of this government. Land. Oh, Senator Harry Reid, exactly. Listen, Douglas, can you hold on through the break? Sure, Because I'd like to find out what else is going on with uh, Douglas Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey. here as we do Open Lines on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Welcome back. Open Lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Until we dim the lights here and say goodnight for another uh, edition of The Conspiracy Show. On the line now is uh, our good friend Douglas Cottrell, uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes, and he's been on this program uh, countless times. Uh, remote viewer, medical intuitive. Uh, and D- Douglas, you've got the um, the spiritual center in uh, in uh, Hamilton Beach, not far from here. Uh, mm-hmm. w- w- what else is going on with you? Well, well let me finish my uh, my prediction for Mr. Bundy is that he's going to start a movement that we're going to see more and more of militia or people grouping together. The American spirit. I don't think it's going to be violent. I think that the government is going to have second uh, thoughts. Um, the man's going to be somewhat of a hero as much as they're trying to, uh, you know, if you want to destroy somebody, you have to destroy their reputation. I think this is going to backfire. That's my prediction. And uh, I think that there's more and more because of the the people in middle government, the judiciary, they're now looking at the situation and saying this is horrific. And somewhat as a watershed, as an icon, this man's a pivotal point in in, uh, the U.S. policy. I think we're going to see more and more support for this man and people like him. So that's my prediction, uh, uh, Richard. Uh, I'm off to New York in June uh, to be. I'm invited to the uh, Edgar Casey New York City um, um, organization to do a, uh, a demonstration of uh, the deep trance meditation, the same as the, and the Edgar Casey method, which is the first time I think anybody has ever been invited to do that. So it's uh, um, uh, kind of a big. Uh, uh, ideal for me and for people who um, who are looking for somebody like Edgar Casey, and of course, Ross Peterson, uh, Paul Solomon, and myself have all demonstrated disability, and so that's what I'm up to. I'm uh, also here in in Hamilton at the Many Mansions Spiritual Center, and have my website douglasjamescottrell.com, and I hope a million people buy my book about the new Renaissance, uh, which is a forward look uh, of predictions made for 2012 and beyond. Other than that, I'm listening to your show every Sunday now. I appreciate and, uh, that, Douglas. Listen, we'll have to get you back in studio soon. It, absolutely. It just uh, uh, tonight's topic was just great with uh, this this man in Nevada, and uh, I, I encourage you to do more. I know you have a lot of fans out there, and probably some more calls to get to. So uh, I'll say adios, but uh, look forward to coming on down to the studio soon. All right, my friend, we'll be in touch. Thank you, Douglas Cottrell. Take care. Thank you. All right. Uh, up next is uh, is it Fred in Michigan, Tim? All right. Hello, Fred. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I was going to kind of talk a little bit about Vladimir. Vladimir but, Putin. Uh, yes. Yeah, but I just uh, wanted to reflect on the Bundy uh, standoff. Sure. Sure. 
And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we don't get news like we used to here in the States at all. And the only way to get news is to, like, read the Daily Mail, uh, papers from overseas on the Internet. And uh, <clears throat> the BBC had a program with uh, Hank Paulson, who uh, got TARP together. Right. To uh, The big bank bailout. Right. And apparently on this show, he... Uh, he pleaded with the Chinese not to dump their treasury bonds because it would have uh, destroyed the dollar. Right, and well, and they are starting to do that. Uh, they're doing these, uh, you know, direct, almost barter deals with Russia in Iran. You know, the only the only country in the world right now that's buying U.S. treasury bonds, and this is strange, it's Belgium. 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 Yeah, and what's even stranger is the United States printed up a whole slew of dollars and gave it to them so that they could buy treasuries. Hey, when, you, when you're the world reserve currency, you can, uh, you can basically do what you want. And when you're Greece and you can't print your own money, well, we see what happened there. The United States, that's the only difference between you, the United States and Greece. The U.S. gets to print as much money as it wants, and Greece can't do that. Well, you know, Richard Nixon closed the gold window back in 1971. That's right. And sure made the French mad because they couldn't get any more gold, you know, for their dollars. <clears throat> and what we've been doing since is printing gold, essentially gold. The United States said no more gold in transactions. It's going to be the dollar. And we're going to have the ability to print these dollars. So, in effect, we're printing gold. And all these fake Gold certificates, you know, they aren't gold certificates. They're backed by nothing. When the dollar does have its demise, <clears throat> demise, it's really going to make a lot of people mad because they're what they think is gold is going to be worthless. That's right. So, and in the meantime, the United States is shipping gold hand over fist to the east, places like Hong Kong and Shanghai and India, uh, in order uh, to depress the, the price of gold in order to prop up the dollar because when gold starts to go up, 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 that's an indicator to the world that something is wrong uh, and people will then lose their faith in these fiat currencies. So the gold market has been totally manipulated by these bullion banks and the Fed. Right, and uh, we made sure that, you know, we got Ukraine's gold and we put it in a safe spot place here in the United States. And that was a story that didn't get a lot of currency in the mainstream media, that the, uh, it was at the New York Fed. Essentially, they landed a helicopter in Kiev and, uh, or a transport plane, loaded it up uh, with Ukrainian gold and, 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 and took it back uh, right after this, essentially, this coup d'etat that took place in Ukraine. People forget about that. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, they had an elected government. People may not have liked him, but he was elected, duly elected. Uh, then there was this coup uh, led largely by a rather disturbing bunch of uh, neo-Nazis, Svoboda, the right sector, and so forth. And then the gold disappears. Right. And you know what else? Uh, already they're saying uh, that that gold's been recast. And it's uh, been going back to Germany because to, Germany's been insisting on, you know, getting their gold back and We've been hemming and hawing about that. Because uh, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we got a little shipment to them, I guess. I think they said they'd pay. They 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 give about uh, was it seven or seven or ten percent over the next three or five years. Yeah, I mean, if the gold's there, you give it back. If it's not, then you've got to do a tap dance. Uh, Fred, did you want to talk about Bundy at all or uh, Vladimir well, Putin? Well, what I wanted to stress was that, you know, the United States is on sale right now, <clears throat> and China is really buying up the U.S., and that's what's going on in Nevada. In fact, uh, Paulson, I guess, made a deal with uh, the Chinese that, you know, they could essentially buy up our, you know, land, the, you know, the uh, federal lands out west and different areas of the country, vast lands, and uh, it's sort of like collateral to the Chinese so that they don't dump our treasuries. And uh, this agreement is uh, what's keeping the U.S. afloat right now. Well, you have to wonder, you know, it's mm-hmm. been 20 years uh, since Clive and Bundy uh, paid any of these grazing fees. And it's been through the courts, back and forth, uh, and you know maybe the the, the Bureau of Land Ma- Measurement or Man- Management has a case legally, maybe. Uh, but you have to wonder why now are they ramping it up? And if you're if you're correct, uh, and and Senator Harry Reid's son was involved in this deal to sell the Chinese this land on pennies on the dollar, pennies on the dollar, uh, that all of a sudden now there's an urgency to get this this holdout rancher off of the land. At any cost. Well, what it is is uh, our politicians over here know the Chinese own us, and they're just getting their seats in the front of the bus. And uh, the American tax make pay, American taxpayers getting thrown under the bus, and uh, that's the future of the United States, unfortunately. And uh, I hope you know Canada can kind of hold on to. Uh, more of a free, democratic country that we always thought we were. Well, uh, I don't know about that. For better or worse, we've sort of um, uh, hitched our wagon to your star. And <laughs> I think for, in many instances, uh, our government is sort of in lockstep with yours. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I'm not that optimistic about the prospects of, of liberty and freedom up here. As goes the United States, so goes Canada in many respects. Fred, listen, great to hear from you from Michigan, and I hope you'll call again. Thank you. All right. Who's up next, my good man, Tim? Just give me a name. Joe in Hamilton. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, As you know, as you probably know, I follow visionaries, and the messages they get from Jesus or the Virgin Mary or even God the Father. And I know of two visionaries in the last month that have received a message that we are on the brink of a third world war. One is uh, Michael Benedetto out of Connecticut, and the other is Ned Doherty. I believe he is in New York. And to Ned Doherty, uh, the Virgin Mary said that she wants the Pope, this present Pope, Pope Francis uh, I, to consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart and the sacred heart of Jesus. And then she wants uh, him to consecrate the world to the uh, immaculate heart of Mary and the sacred heart of Jesus. As you know, it was Pope John Paul the Twi- John the 23rd who got us out of the last uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. 
and and that's why that, that if they, if the Pope would do that, that would be a great means of of. Uh, of, of averting war. Well, here's the thing, Joe. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm familiar with the third secret of Fatima, but here's my point and my problem. I'm an Orthodox Christian. I'm not a yeah. Catholic. Russia is an Orthodox country. They've already embraced Christianity. And under Vladimir Putin, uh, I mean, I think it's a force for good what's going on there. The reemergence of the Orthodox Church uh, in Russia, uh, um, rebuilding 23,000 churches that were destroyed under the Soviet uh, regime. Oh, you're quite right, Richard. Yeah. Vladimir is a saint compared to the oligarchs who are running the United States. They they don't go to war. They hide in their bunkers. All right, Joe, got to move along, but thank you. Good to hear from you. And, uh, Take care. Thank you. Do we have time for one more call here, Tim? Who do we have? Debbie is in Toronto. Welcome. Good morning, Debbie. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Great show. Appreciate this it. This is my experience. Um, it's not completely mine, but my experience with Lyme disease. I had a girlfriend in Minnesota that lived... Um, on cottage property at her brother's, and it backed on to the bush. And right. you and I both know that um, deer carry um, ticks, and that's one th- way you can catch Lyme disease. Yes. They had, it, they had it licked in two weeks. I had a cousin in northern Ontario that also lived in the bush and cottage country. They could not figure it out. She had to go to Mexico to a clinic there, and she was really, really sick. It took forever for for the North in Canada to, to catch on. My uncle took her to Mexico, and she was there for months. Well, uh, I, I know uh, I'm going to get Helky Ferry on the program, and, and she wrote an article recently, I think, for Vitality magazine. And, and in there is a case study of a, an individual who came to Canada from India, uh, contracted uh, Lyme disease, uh-huh. uh, went into a coma. They finally sent this person back to India where he was quickly uh, treated and the doctors uh, over there – and they do have – you know, people think, oh, India, poverty. They have a wonderful medical health system over yes, there or uh, wonderful doctors, mm-hmm. very advanced in, in their medicine. And uh, they said – they were scratching their heads. They said, why – this is so basic, so easily mm-hmm. treated. Why can't they figure it out in a, in a place like Canada? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't even get a proper diagnosis in this country from what I understand. We still have doctors who say it's in your head. It's not real. Unbelievable. Well, she was very, very sick. Like I said, my uncle took my aunt and uncle took her all the way to Mexico to a clinic. And I told them, my girlfriend, she caught it. Two weeks licked in Minnesota. Take her to the States. Antibiotics? Um, I would think so. Yeah. I, this goes back a little bit, but I think it was antibiotics. Well, sometimes when it's really chronic, you see what happens is they have to treat it with more antibiotics than is traditionally used. And uh-huh. this is why a lot of uh, doctors here are balking at the treatment. Uh, they're saying, no, you can't give someone that uh, amount of antibiotics, but apparently it does work. Listen, uh, thank you for the call. You're Got to really run. Welcome. Thank you. Great All right. show. Tim Spreen, thanks for production. Uh, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for the ride. The website, richardserrett.com. Don't forget to subscribe. So we can get to that 500 magic number and I'll start pumping out that weekly newsletter. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that will be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.